Snakes, being buried alive, skydiving, ghosts, elevators, speaking in public, flying, needles, the dark, heights. Well, unless you are one of the 400 people in recorded history to have the very rare brain disease where your amygdala is completely calcified so you literally cannot feel fear, I'm guessing there was something on that list that made the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. The mere thought of it shoots fear through every vein, sending shivers down your spine. Now, maybe you're like me. If you hate spiders, for instance, which I do, you could happily live a life where you never had to face that fear. Well, today's Woman of Impact is here to share with us why facing it, why stepping out of our comfort zone can lead to actually unlocking our full potential, ultimately allowing us to become the person we want to and strive to be. And she speaks from experience. What started as a branding project for her master's degree, today's guest challenged herself to face one fear a day, film it and post it online. And on day 40, well, she went viral. Featured on the Today Show, Forbes, CNN, and BuzzFeed, her project 100 Days Without Fear turned into a phenomenon. Today, she is keynote speaker, author, social entrepreneur, and founder of Hello Fears, a social movement that reaches over 70 million people worldwide, proving firsthand what ripple effect facing your fears can lead to. So guys, please help me in welcoming the almost fearless Michelle Polar. Welcome to the show, sweetie. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Oh my God, I'm so excited. When I um, started reading up about your story, I was like, this woman is my idol. I want to know how she faced fears. Um, but here's actually where I want to start this interview with. You had a quote that was so powerful. Most people see the enemy of success is failure but actually the enemy of success is comfort. And the reason why I want to start there is I'm always focusing on if I want to succeed, what do I have to do to get there? And so for people at home, I want to start with why on earth should we even worry about follow, you know, facing our fears when something like heights or spiders, I can maybe live my whole life never having to deal with it. Why is it important? Why is it important to face our fears? Yeah. I think that it is important to understand which fears we have to face or we, we should face. Like what you're saying, we can spend our entire life not really facing the fear of holding a tarantula or a snake or even roller coasters. I mean, you can avoid that <laughs> if you're like me, very sneaky and you avoid going to parks. <laughs> but um, there are some fears that if we avoid facing those, then we will never achieve our biggest dreams. We will never make progress in our life. So for example, if we want to make more money, we need to ask for a raise. If we work at a corporation, for example, right? If we want to collaborate with people, we need to expose ourselves and ask for it. If if we want to start a business and we need money, then we need to raise funds and we need to do things that are scary. And I would say the majority of the people, in order to avoid facing those fears because they're so uncomfortable. They choose not to do it, stay in their comfort zone and settle. And that to me is heartbreaking to see people that have talent, that have ambition, and they decide to settle because of fear. It's so frustrating. So in my case, I made a promise to myself. I lived with fear my entire life and I still do even though I face my fear I still we all do I mean we all have fears but I allowed my fear to limit my potential for a long time 
until one day I decided that it was not going to be the case moving forward. And I decided to, to do the project, face 100 fears in 100 days and, and start becoming this braver person. But it's so important that we have the willingness to face our fears if we actually want to achieve anything and want to become someone in life. And I certainly wanted to achieve a lot. I, that's so beautiful. And what I also love though, and I'm, I was so excited to talk to you is you, it's not that you just went and did a hundred fears and now you talk about it. You really do now break it down into the types of fears and how we approach each one and overcome them. And I'm so all about tactics. Like if you're watching Women of Impact as a show, it has to lead to give me the skill set that I can now take on my own after I've watched this video and apply it to my real life. So um, I'd love to just start with um, addressing you. I believe you say the seven different types of fears. So you had a hundred, but you realize they actually all belong into certain categories. So if you can break those down for me and then we'll kind of go deeper than that. Yeah. So as I was facing my fears every day, a different fear, I started to realize that some of the experiences kind of felt similar to each other. So for example, when I went to get a Brazilian wax and I got a piercing and I went to donate blood, like those kind of felt similar. And then when I was doing, for example, posing nude in front of an art class or singing in public or uh, dancing like no one's watching in the middle of Times Square, those three felt kind of similar. Like the feeling it gave me when I was even walking towards facing those fears were similar. And I was like, there's something about this that I feel I'm facing the same fear, but it's completely different. So what is it? And so I started to write down all of these fears in post-its and I started like each post-it was a different fear and I put all of them in the wall and I was like, this one and this one feel similar. This one and this one feels similar. And then I ended up having seven clusters of fears and I had to find one word that could define the feeling that I would get when I was approaching those fears. And that's when I realized that at the end of the day, I only had seven core fears but there are thousands of ways to face them and that was very helpful because I realized which fears first of all which ones were scarier to me and I could compare them to my husband's fears and for example things that I would be terrified of doing he would be comfortable and things that he would be terrified I would be like that's not no big deal I mean I am scared of doing it but not as much as you are and so that made me realize that fear is very universal we all have fears but it's also very personal and so the seven fears, and I have them right here. Um, so this is my book. There and so it is. Big page right here, Amazing. just in case. All right, can and you read them out to us? Yes. Uh, pain, danger, embarrassment, rejection, loneliness, lack of control, and disgust. Can you share which one is your most fearful out of that list of seven? Yeah, so... In my case, I think that I'm more afraid and I have a top three. I, I can't oh, tell you exactly, yeah. but I'm very afraid of pain, like okay. at the top of my list, afraid of loneliness, being by myself. Like I avoid that. I grew up avoiding being by myself at all times. I never traveled by myself or did and, and really admire people that did it, even people that did it without a problem, you know, without fear. Um, and then lack of control. That's another thing that I'm 
always trying to control everything around me. And but then, for example, embarrassment, rejection, of course, I'm afraid of those, but not as much. I can do things that I, I can be embarrassed and that's fine. I can get over that yeah. easily. Well, so then the question I have on those three that are the most um, strongest for you, because I've heard you talk about a lot of fear comes from our childhood. And for you, you had assessed that a lot of your fear was um during while while you were growing up excuse me so can um can you talk to me about your assessment of that was it that you had identified okay these three things I'm the most fearful of and then did you ask yourself why am I the most fearful of them and then um I want to talk about how you unravel that and how it actually you then use that to benefit yourself yeah so of course I've analyzed so much my story and my fears and what my parent my my family's history also and what I came to realize is that my grandparents they endure the holocaust so they are world war ii survivors they were in the concentration camps they survived that but most of the their family didn't and to me that's always that it's a story that I've known since I was very little my grandparents were in Europe and then after the war, they were transported to Venezuela, where I'm from. And it's a it was a new country for them. So they had to start from scratch, new culture, new language, new everything. And the thing is that their fears came with them, you know, in, in that boat and never left. And so they had my mom already in, when they were living in Venezuela. And they raised my mom with so many fears and traumas, of course. And then that's how she raised me because she didn't know any better. And I grew up with all of these fears and knowing that the worst can happen. I mean, knowing that it is, it happened to my grandparents that one day they soldiers came to their house, took their belongings, took them, you know, uh, took them to a concentration camp, separated them from their family. Uh, they've never again saw their brothers, their parents. So it's, it's very traumatic, I think. And to know that as a child, that that's a possibility, it's so scary. And so I think that my fear of loneliness comes from there. I can't even imagine like someone tearing me apart from my family. And that's one of my fears. And then being out of control also, like not having control over my life, I think is also tied to that. But also on top of that, I was raised in Venezuela, which is also a very dangerous country. So I grew up with a lot of protection around me in a, in a bubble. I never walked to school and I was only like 10 minutes away from my school, never walked. Um, we would always have to like have our windows up and the car locked and lots of security around. And so for a fearful girl like me, and I think I was born fearful, but to know all these things and to live in a country like this, it was not helpful. So I think, yeah, it goes way back, our fears, right? Oh my God, there's so many amazing things that you just said there. So one, I actually have heard, I am not an expert, so I just want to, you know, say that out loud, but I've definitely heard of studies where they're showing that fear is, can be passed through genetics, um, as like a survival mechanism, right? It's like, think of being in the wild. It's like knowing someone's coming at you with a knife or something like, okay, instinctually, you kind of want to know that to protect yourself. So I've heard rumors that gen genetics absolutely plays a part in it. That wouldn't surprise me in this situation that has been passed down through your generations of your grandparents over to you and I love that you were then able to break it all down to come up with why you are so fearful now so if you can actually now take me through 
you, you've established why you understand the categories, you understand the ones that you're really fearful of. How have you now then used that information to allow you to get past it? Because I'm always about strategy and takeaway. So anyone listening at home can really like the way you're laying it out is so beautifully. So now that you've got to this point, how do you use that information to overcome the fear? So I think that it's so important that we get to the root of our fears if we actually want to change something inside of us. And so, for example, when I realized that those were my like toughest fears to face, the loneliness, control, uh, pain, I started to face more fears in that category. And so, for example, I started to do more things on my own and I started becoming an, a more independent person, which was also very scary because my relationship, I work with my husband. Uh, well, we started working after TEDx, after the project. We both quit our jobs to, to do this together. Um, but it was always a very dependent relationship where I always felt the need to be taken care of. And he was always a protective husband, you know, who was there for me. And it's not that he wanted that because he's the one that wanted me to face my fears. He told me several times, I want you to become a braver ber version of yourself. I want you, you know, to be more independent. Um, I want the best for you. And so that's why I decided to face my fears. I'm like, I'm going to make him very proud and myself proud. And I want to become a better wife and also a better mom for my future children. And so suddenly... I started becoming independent and I was like, whoa, maybe I don't need him anymore. And then I started questioning, am I with him because I needed him or because I actually love him and want to be with him? Because we got married early. I was 23. He was 25. We, we were already dating for five years. So everything made sense. And uh, from where I come from, that's a good age to get married. But I was questioning everything, which is important to question things. And so... Uh, I got to the point where I realized that, yes, I evolved, but our relationship also evolved. Mm -hmm. And it took us years to adjust to this new reality where now he doesn't have to be there for me all the time. And I have to be there for him because then he started to lose his identity when he's, once he started working with me for my own brand, mm -hmm. for Michelle Poehler and Hello Fears. And then the other thing I did uh, is I decided to travel to Auschwitz and I visited the concentration camps uh, a few years ago because I was like, I need to, you know, tackle this fear from the root and I need to go to where everything started. And that's something I never considered, like visiting concentration camps was out of the question for me. I was like, I'm never doing that in my life. I don't think I'll be able to handle it. And the experience was so surprising that uh, it's exactly what I needed to do. I think it's so important that we go back, that we actually immerse ourselves into those experiences that we tried to ignore for so long. God, can you take me through why that experience was so impactful? So like you turn up at Auschwitz, obviously you have generations of, you know, your grandmother telling you stories. There's so much information about the horrors. And um, what was it though that made that cathartic for you? So I thought that when I was going to be there, I was going to resent humanity right. and that I was going to, you know, think the worst of everything. And then it was like the opposite. I felt like you're either making history or you're history. 
And I realized that my grandparents were so strong and brave. I never considered them strong and brave because in my eyes, they were like so vulnerable and so fearful. But suddenly being there, I'm like, you need a lot of courage and strength to survive this situation. Like, you know, and so I have some of that in my blood. So maybe I can also be strong and brave like my grandparents. And then I thought they survived this for me to exist, for me to be here and surviving. It's not that it was optional. A lot of people didn't have that option, but also I think it was easier to die than it was to live inside the camps. And they intentionally decided to live. And so I was like, I felt that I needed to make my life count because I felt like this responsibility that they survive for a reason and I exist for a reason. And so it made my, it gave me more purpose than I already had. Ooh, that was so strong. I completely understand. And when I asked that question, I legitimately had no idea. I was like, I don't know how you can see that as empowering, but I totally hear how facing that fear had that shift in perspective. Um, and so I actually want to talk about reframing and perspective because I think it can be so freaking powerful. I think one of the reasons why people don't um, approach something, you know, uh, fearful is the failure of it, right? If I do this and I fail, what does that mean about me? Does that mean that I'm no good? Does that, you know, dent your self-esteem? Does that dent your ego? But you had a reframe of it, which I find so fascinating about failure. Can you can you share that with us and how you came yeah. to it? So in 2007, I realized that I was limiting a lot of my possibilities because of the fear of failure. And every time I came up with an idea, whatever it was, it was like, eh, I delayed it for a long time because I was like, eh, I don't know if I will fail or if I succeed, should I try it or not? And then one day I was like, you know what, I'm going to create a new year's resolution and it is to fail. It's not to succeed, it's to fail. Let me fail. And so that year I started everything that I wanted to. Like I was, I was like a merchandise line. Yes, let's start it because I was afraid to fail. Let's let's do it and let's fail. I literally failed so much that year. But I have to say that I learned so much that I can't even consider those failures. And then what I realized is that the only time you actually fail is the time you fail to try. When you decide not to try something, you're failing yourself. You're already giving you the no, you know, you're already rejecting yourself and your possibilities. And so it's for me impossible to consider failure when I tried something and I didn't make it. If I didn't make it, then I need to find a new way. Like it's the way it is. And I can't tell you that I failed because I made it. Yes, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, but where would I be without those mistakes? I think that when you want something more than you fear it, you will continue working towards that and you, you will not stop until you you change your mind. But if you don't change your mind, you continue working towards it. And that's where I am right now. I'm still, I have so many big dreams. I'm far from achieving my goals right now. And I'm not going to stop. I mean, I just literally released this book. And of course I have the high hopes of this becoming a bestseller. It's not yet a bestseller, but I won't stop until this becomes a bestseller. And if it's not this book, it's the next book. But I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to say that I failed because if I would have never written the book, that's when I I would say I, I failed. So a couple of things there. I love that you said yet 
it's not a bestseller yet. I think that's so important. And it really does go to, I think, why um, I resonate with your message so much is mindset is everything, everything. Perspective is everything. Like just by switching one word, failure with lesson, it changes everything. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Totally. Totally. And and they say that in order to build a, a strong brand and a strong community, you need to find one common enemy. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's fascinating. And I was thinking, I heard of that not too long ago. And I'm like, wait, so what is the common enemy that I have? Then why so so many people follow Hello Fears and feel identified with that? And it's comfort. That's the enemy. And that's why I say that the enemy of success is not failure. It's comfort. We're fighting against comfort. So you said part of one of the fears you had identified was loneliness. And so once you'd identified that, you asked yourself the question, are you marrying your husband because of the fear of loneliness? I didn't want to stop you, but that was so powerful because so many people, sadly and unfortunately, I think do make decisions based on the fear of something else. Um, 
So going to comfort, that is one of the most uncomfortable questions I think you have to ask yourself. Like that's a real hard look at yourself and then potentially hurting someone else, right? Potentially hurting your partner if the answer comes to, yes, I'm with them out of the fear of loneliness. So it's so hard and most people won't ask the question because they don't want to step too far out of that comfort zone. Girl, talk to me about how you rightly so ask yourself that question. Um, That's a hard one. That's a freaking hard one. Yeah, and it's not only like the fear of loneliness, but is are you with someone or are any of the relationships that you have in your life based on need or based on love? And I think that's the real question. And if we have a relationship based on need, that's not the the right base of any relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not need or fear. The base of every relationship should be love. You you want that person to be in your life because it brings the best in you. So I think that's the right question. Are you with someone and how would your relationship change if you wouldn't need that person anymore? Wow. Yeah, that is so true. Um, I've been with my husband now for 19 years and we've been married for 17 and I've had massive health issues, massive gut issues. And there was one time I was in the middle of a photo shoot and I had the whole team there and I got massive stomach cramps, so much that I could barely breathe. I fell to the floor. I was on my own. I went upstairs, fell to the floor and I texted my husband, I need you right now. And he was busy, so he didn't look at his phone. He was like on a business call. And I'm on the floor and I'm really holding my side side in agony and I'm texting him again. I was like, babe, I really need you. I really need you. And he just wasn't answering. And in that moment, I was like, no, Lisa, you don't need him. You want him, but you don't need him. Why? Because Lisa, you can get your ass up off this floor yourself. And that shift in mind changed everything from that moment on. And it really did allow me to greet him because I want him instead of need. It is such a different emotion. You're so right. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and and it's it's liberating yes. to understand that we don't need them. We want them. And that's the beauty of any relationship. If you want to be with that person, whoever it is, it can even be your parents and your siblings and your friends. It's not about needing. It's about wanting those people in your life. And I think it's liberating on both sides, right? For you and that person that it's like they're coming to me because they want to, not because they need to out of desperation. Wow. Yeah. I'd never actually thought about it like that, but that's, that's super powerful. Or because of status quo. Yeah. Like yeah. so many people just stay with their partners because they're supposed to, because it's what is expected or keep certain relationships alive because it's expected in. No, I think me and Adam, like we question everything. And I think it's very healthy at the end of the day to uh, continually remind yourself, why are you doing the things you're doing? Why are you hanging out with the people you're hanging out? And, 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 and why are your goals, your goals, you know, Things can change. Everything can change. And we are constantly evolving. I think we should be constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I actually heard you say that one of the most universal fears that you've heard um, is disappointing people. So talk to me about that. And how have you found that to be true with yourself? And then what strategies are you using in order to not let that dictate what you should and shouldn't do? Yeah. So what I've been trying to trickle down like understand fear from every 
angle, right? Mostly for myself. I want to understand what's going on with me and then how to relate to the fear of other people as well. And so, yes, I divided fear into the seven categories that I shared earlier, but also in this three different categories, which are universal, cultural, and personal fears. And universal fears, I mean, we're born with those and it's okay. It's what makes us afraid of jumping from a tall building, which we shouldn't do or hold a poisonous animal or things like that. We want to stay alive. And so I, you know what, it's okay to have some of those fears, but then the cultural fears and the personal fears are the ones that are screwing us up big time. And the cultural fears are the ones related to disappointing other people. Mm -hmm. We want to belong, not only belong, but we want to fit in. And in order to fit in, we adjust ourselves, our personality and our desires in order to fit into certain group of people or society in general. And so because we don't want to disappoint our community, our parents, our friends, we start doing things and making decisions based on that, based on them. And I think that is the thing that hurts our potential the most. And I experienced it when I uh, graduated from college. I did what I had to do. I got married. I found a job. And suddenly I was not happy. I was having panic attacks. And I'm like, what's happening? I checked all the boxes. I should be experiencing the most happiness in my life. I always said, when I graduate, I'll be happy. When I get married, I'll be happy. When I find a job, I'll be happy. I did all those things. What's what's next? I'm like, having children, having grandchildren and dying? Is that next? Like, that's it? What are other challenges in my life? And so uh, that's when I realized that I needed to do something. I needed to move to New York, have bigger challenges, go to do a master's in branding that I was so passionate about branding and start this project of facing my fears. And but people started questioning my decisions. Uh, People around me were like, what do you mean? You should just start having kids. I mean, you're already married, right? You're 25. Come on, like get a mortgage, have kids. You're you're being childish by pursuing your dreams. You're already old. And I'm like, no, no, no. So it was my decision at the time to start pleasing myself and stop pleasing people around me. And if I had to disappoint people, then that, you know, that's what I had to do. And actually my therapist told me something really interesting the other day. She said, adulting is learning how to disappoint other people. (laughs) And I was like, huh, that's so interesting. It's true. You start, you have to start making decisions for your own sake, for yourself, for your family. And yeah, start listening to you. And so, yeah, it frustrates me a lot when I see people making decisions based on what is expected of them and not what they expect out of their own life. And one thing is that I started to check all those boxes from society and I couldn't find happiness. And what I realized is that those boxes lead to comfort. They don't lead to happiness. You know what leads to happiness? Your own boxes. When you start coming up with things that you want to achieve for yourself, that you know that even though nobody knows about it, but if you still achieve that, you would be so proud of yourself and so happy. That will lead to real happiness. God, that's so true. I talk about external validation a lot and how as humans, we do search for external validation. But in doing that, you are now putting your own emotional state in other people's hands. Because if they're not validating you, then your own emotional state starts to feel bad about yourself. So now out of fear, you're just trying to please other people. And then that become that become dangerous. Because to me, I think ultimately the only, the thing that actually matters, like the only thing that actually matters in life in totality 
is how you feel about yourself when you are by yourself. When you are by yourself at night and there is no one around to tell you anything and it's just your own thoughts, what are your thoughts telling you? And um, so, yeah, I think that's so freaking powerful. That, that you yeah. create your own boxes. I love that. Um, so now I want to go to, you've laid everything out so beautifully. And in researching you, um, I also just started to research fix. I like to know um, just as much about the topic as I do about the guests themselves. So I started looking into fear and I had never heard of this brain condition that only 400 people in the entire world ever have ever had, but that they actually don't feel fear. Like, zero fear um and i read this interview with this one woman who has this condition and she has been held at gunpoint twice she's been held at knife point once but in the interview of this woman who didn't feel fear there were two things that came with it one thing the um, the psychologist that was analyzing her said i'm going to read a quote um they said without fear trauma isn't traumatizing i found that really fascinating But at the same note, at the end, the takeaway was, but fear can still be your ally. Fear can serve you and completely not serve you all at the same time. And you had said previously in our conversation, actually slightly earlier, where you said, you know, some fears are actually okay. So is that something you assess? Do you say to yourself, this fear is actually serving me, so I'm not going to try and eliminate it? I think that if fear is telling you that you're getting into a situation that is life-threatening or that you can actually hurt someone that you love or that you can go bankrupt or, you know, like change your life in a way that you don't want to, I think that's a positive fear that we have in our life, right? And it's important that we listen to our fears and that we always always consider the, the risks in every situation. And I think as humans, yes, we have an amygdala or a part of our brain already there telling us, don't do it, this can happen so it's very um unintentional i mean the risks are there in our brain we'll make sure that we know it so it's really important that we are intentional when we think about the rewards because mm. when we don't do that's when we allow our fears to get in the way of any of our goals and and we'll get so big and so loud that we won't even be able to hear ourselves And it's actually your ego warning you, don't do it. Imagine how you will feel if you fail and all these things. So that's when fear is no longer helpful and it's no longer our ally. And so we have to be very honest at that point and say, is this thing going to actually kill me? Or I'll go bankrupt if I do it all. And if the answer is no, then it's important that we switch the the mindset and the script that we have in our mind and one way to do it and this is like the best tool that I'll be able to share here with you is switching the question from what's the worst that could happen to what's the best that can happen and to me that's fascinating because people use the question what's the worst that could happen as a way to help you face your fears as a way to encourage you to do it because they're like think about it what's the worst that could happen but that question is actually very dangerous because it takes your mind to think of all the worst case scenarios and you're like well the worst that could happen is that I embarrass myself is that I fail is that I get rejected and all these things that we don't want to face so that's why it's so important to also ask ourselves what's the best that can happen because when you ask yourself that question that we're not used to asking ourselves then our mind goes to rewards and we're like well what's the best that can happen that I actually do a good job that people like it, that they don't reject me, that I get the you know promotion of my dreams or job of my dreams. 
those things can also happen and we forget about those and we allow fear to get in the way of our biggest desires. And so the way that I perceive this question is as if I have x-ray vision, because when we're about to face a fear, and this is, I know you like superpowers. I so, do. <laughs> okay. This is a superpower, this question. It's having x-ray vision because when you're about to face a fear, like take a risk, all of these negative thoughts start to pop into our head and it builds a brick wall. And suddenly we can't see because every negative thought is a brick telling us, don't do it. You will regret it. Who do you think you are? Right. All these negative thoughts. And then we're like, we're that's we're that's so right. We shouldn't do it. And then you cancel all your plans and then you go back to your comfort zone. But if you ask yourself, what's the best that can happen if I do it, you get to see through the brick wall through the fears, focus on the reward. And you know, that question came to me as a reaction to my mom, because she's very negative a lot of the times. And one day I was talking to her and she's like, I have this dinner tonight. A lot of people are coming to my house, but I'm worried because what if the food is not ready? What if the food is not good? What if people don't show up? What if, and then all of the what ifs were negative. And then I'm like, mom, what if they all show up? What if they're so hungry? What if they love the food? What if everything tastes delicious? What if you call me tomorrow and tell me that it was one of the best dinners of your life? And then she called, me, she called me the next day and she was like, Michelle, everything went according to plan and ex exceeded expectations, just like you told me. And after that, she started using that question a lot and she started becoming a more positive and optimistic person. And that is one of my biggest achievements so far. Wow, that's awesome. And I can see just if anyone's watching the video, how like much how that just lit you up, like the, the happiness that that just brought to your face and you telling that story. So there is something about being able to impact the people close to you that I think is the hardest, but absolutely the most rewarding. Yeah. And well, I started this entire journey because I wanted to impact, like positively impact my kids one day. So we are not parents yet, but we are on the way to becoming parents, hopefully. And I dedicated this book. If you look at the first page, it says uh, to my future kids, because I think that it's good to have a bigger purpose. Uh, mostly if you want to become a braver person, for example, something that is so hard don't do it for yourself then yeah. do it for the people that is that surround you that you care so much about and I think that that's always helpful I love that so much okay and lastly I want to go through the stages that you break down what I love is you kind of do it like AA right where it's like admit you have a problem first and then so um, you actually have some six powerful stages that people go through if you don't mind taking me through those stages um, there are a couple that I want to go slightly deeper on that I found super fascinating um, so if you can take them and then I'll, I'll chime in when I when I have yeah. some questions <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are the six stages that we all go through when we're facing our fears. Doesn't matter how many fears you face, all right, or how, how fearless you think you are. No, this is, we all go through the same process. And the first stage is um, discovery stage. So it's when someone tells you, for example, an idea to do something, and you realize in that moment that 
that is outside of your comfort zone. So for example, if they tell you, let's go for ice cream and you're like, yeah, let's go for ice cream. Then that that's good. You're not afraid of that. <laughs> that's inside your comfort zone. But if they come to you and they're like, what if we volunteer abroad? We go to Africa this summer for a whole month, you know, to help children or to build houses or whatever. And you're like, all right, let me think about that for a second. So like your reaction is not immediately. Yeah, let's do it. Then that means that that is outside of your comfort zone and you experience the discovery stage. And from the discovery stage, most people go into the denial stage. And the denial stage is when you start to try to find excuses to not do that because it's outside of your comfort zone. So we don't feel excited immediately to do it. And so we're like, "Mm, maybe it's not the right thing for me. Maybe no, I shouldn't do it. And you come up with all these excuses, right? Why? No, it's not the best. And then you leave that aside and you continue with your life. Some people come back to the idea and they're like, but what if that experience helped me achieve this or become this kind of person or help this person or whatever, right? And so then you come back to it and then you get into the determination stage and you're like determined to face this fear. You're like, yeah, it is outside of my comfort zone, but all of these amazing things can happen. So let's do it. And so you start making plans. Maybe you call someone, you buy a ticket, you do all the things you need to do in order to make this happen. And then before going into the action stage, this is my favorite one. (laughs) It's an important one. It's a crucial one. So we think that we, we would go easily from determination. I mean, I already made up my mind into action. Let's do it. But no, There's the WTF, am I doing stage right there in the middle? And it's always there. And it's when we're about to take action, but all of our fears, negative thoughts start to pop into our head, build the brick wall that I was describing. And most of the people stop the process right there. They're like, what was I thinking? This is insane. Cancel plans, disappoint whoever you need to disappoint. You know, your fear is bigger than that. And so you check out and that's it. But if you decide to go through that stage and you ask yourself, what's the best that can happen? You focus on the rewards and you decide that it is still worth it for you to face this fear. Then you land into the action stage. So you go, you face your fears in that moment. Three, two, one, go. You know, you do it. And then you go into the celebratory stage. And the celebratory stage is interesting because I... I was always achieving things in my life. Like I graduated from college. I got married. I found a job, like a really good job in advertising. And I never felt proud of myself. It was just like, okay, yeah, I guess I'm happy. Content kind of feeling, right? Because that's what society told me to expect of myself. And so I remember my graduation from college, everybody congratulating me. And I was like, thank you. But I never felt proud. And it was when I was started to face my fears and achieve things that I didn't know were possible. I started to experience what feeling proud of myself actually feels like, like very proud of myself and happy tears and all of that. I remember, for example, when I applied to speak at TEDx, I reached out to the organizer. I told him I'm doing this project. It's going viral. I want to face my fear of public speaking on your stage. And he, and the, the first thing he asked me is, uh, it, this was at TEDx Houston. So he's like, are you from Houston or do you have any ties to Houston? And the, the truth is that no, I was going to travel to Houston to do that. And I'm like, no, I don't have any ties to Houston. And then the guy was like, then I'm sorry that we, we can't have you. We want people from Houston to to be here. So first, my, my first reaction was to give up and think of another idea. Where should I face my next fear? What should I do for my 100 fear? Maybe another TEDx. Um, and then I was like, no, 
I have to fight for this because I have nothing to lose and everything to win. And so I created an email telling him all the reasons why he needed me on his stage and how my message was so universal about fear that it's it doesn't matter if I'm from Houston or not. And so I sent that email and for two weeks I didn't hear back from him. And then he sent an email back two weeks later saying, Shell, I can see that this project has made you very resilient. Um, yes, welcome to TEDx Houston. And I started crying. I felt so proud of myself because it took courage to write that email. And I thought the whole time I was going to get rejected. And why, why do I keep pushing? And you know, all the things that we tell ourselves. And then it came true. And I started crying. I felt so proud of myself. And I was like, this is it. When you challenge yourself, when you use your courage, you actually achieve things that you want. You know, things that you thought were impossible. So why not try? And that changed my entire perspective. And that's the celebratory stage. And it feels so damn good. God, I love that. Yeah, so many people don't take those moments to pat themselves on the back. And at least for me, I can only speak for myself, but it's those small pats on the back that keep me going. There is one story that I love to share. And it's, I don't know if you read the last page of my book, but it's the um, the acknowledgments page. And it's that page, actually, it's a funny story. My, I was talking to my therapist a year before releasing my book. And I told her about my high expectations regarding this book. And I was like, if this book fails, I don't know how I'll be able to handle that. Like, I have very high expectations. I really hope that, you know, all the people I admire share it and that it's everywhere and that I sell millions of copies. And so my therapist gave me a really interesting exercise that I think you're going to love. And she challenged me to write a letter to my future self, like one year from today, the day I launch my book, and answer the question, what's the best that can happen if the worst happens? And when she said that, I'm like, nope, I'm not doing that exercise. I don't want to attract the worst. I'm I'll, I'll, like very much about vi visualizing things. And if I attract, I visualize the worst and it might come true. Of course, I didn't know a pandemic was the worst that could happen at that point. <laughs> well, you didn't even Which, think, your mind didn't even allow you to go that far, right? <laughs> no, of course not. It's like crazy that that came true. But um, despite that, I, I wrote this letter to myself. Really interesting exercise, okay? what's the what's the best that can happen if the worst happen and I the whole letter is a letter about gratitude and about being proud of myself for what I I already accomplished I wrote a freaking book that makes me proud that when I read it I'm like hell yes more people need to read this pages and I started sending chapters to people that were asking me for help because everything I know is in this book and so that was enough and I realized that I already I already succeeded with this book, you know, because of all the things that I achieved. It doesn't matter how many people buy it, how many people like it. I love it. And the process that I had throughout this book was transformative for my life. And that's what matters at the end of the day. I love that so much. That's such a great story. And it really does touch on a belief that I have is that success is not guaranteed. Even if you've had success before, it is never guaranteed. So if you know that, you may as well enjoy the journey and you may as well love every step of it because the end isn't guaranteed. And reframing that in my mind literally changed everything I do. I look, I have a goal, right? I have massive set goals. I have a strategy to get to that goal. But every single day I ask myself, am I content? Do I love what I'm doing? Because 
I may never get to that goal. And I'm very aware of that. I don't like to say it out loud because I don't like to tell my brain that that's not going to happen. Right. But, but the reality is no one freaking knows. So knowing that every day you've got to be fueling yourself. You've got to be doing something that you love so much. So going back to what you were saying about that letter you wrote is you're freaking proud that you wrote the book. You're freaking proud that you never maybe once upon a time thought you'd ever write a book. And now not only have you written it, you have it published. And not only do you have published, you're now going on PR things and you're going on podcasts and you're talking about it. Like all of that is so beautiful to focus on. But I really want to ask you, which I think I know the answer, but what is your superpower? (laughs) So I'm not going to say the the same answer about the x-ray vision. Um, I think... (laughs) that one of my superpowers is my vulnerability. So I grew up being always very honest with myself and with the world. And I think that has taken me to, uh, you know, connect with people and achieve a lot of things because I, one of my biggest goals is to stay true to myself, like to my authentic self. Authenticity is one of my core values. And I think that if you are vulnerable, then you can be authentic too. And so, and well, I grew up with a mom that is a therapist. So she would always ask me very deep questions since I was very little that allowed me to analyze myself and look inside and feel comfortable sharing the truth about me and who I am and never lying to myself or to the world about who I am. So I think vulnerability is a huge superpower and it's exactly what connected with so many people and why so many people feel inspired by the Hello Fears movement because I don't have a problem sharing how I actually feel at all times when I'm sad, when I'm frustrated, but also when I'm happy and when I'm excited and when I'm hopeful. And so all of those emotions are so important, um, mostly if you want to influence other people. Uh, to just be true. So so I think, yeah, vulnerability is the one I choose. <laughs> you are vulnerable with x-ray vision. I'm going to throw yes. that little one in. <laughs> yes. um, so where can people find all the amazing things that you're doing, your new book, all that good stuff? Where, the, where can they go? So you can find my book anywhere where book, books are sold. Um, it's super like colorful and um, fun. And it, it has a lot of exercises. And everything we talked about today is in this book um or you can go to hellofearsbook.com to find out more information about the book itself also i'm always on instagram at hellofears is my handle so i'm constantly sharing there my vulnerable self so i invite you to be part of the hello fears community and just ask yourself what's the best that can happen (laughs) amazing i love that so much yes i have the book right here guys go check it out and what i really do love is look fear can be spoken about in like a really extreme like intense way but that's what i love about you your message and your book it's so colorful it's so honest it's so raw it's so fun to read so guys guys go freaking check it out um links are below in description as well so click those links guys if this episode brought you value please please do like comment below what was the most things that really impacted you that she said i want to hear from you guys and if you're not following me follow me at lisa billu and until next time guys be the hero of your own life peace out